Phil, today our podcast focuses on the various copus economic factors, their usage, and how they're derived. Hi, everybody. I'm Tom Weirman, your co-host, along with my friend and co-host, Phil Sherwood. Hey, Tom. It's great to be back with you again. You know, Copus has been publishing economic factors for 60 years, and we thought it would be a good idea to focus on each of those factors and get some insight from an industry expert. You know, Copus has been around for 60 years, and these factors have been around. I think it's one of the first things that Copus started doing, if you know, that's been around for 60 years. But we have a lot of people that maybe aren't in Copus, and so these things would be great to know. So our guest today, Phil, is Mike Kugavan, Vice President of Martindale Consultants, a real industry expert. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Uh, thanks, Tom. Good afternoon, guys. Hey, Mike, it's great to have you on the podcast. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your work at Martindale? Sure, thanks. I started in the industry way back 1981, so I'm coming up on 40 years next month in the industry. Hard to believe. I spent my thir- first 13 years with Conoco in New Orleans, Midland, Lafayette, Louisiana. Left Conoco in 1994 to start with Martindale Consultants and have been there ever since. Currently vice president responsible for our uh, joint venture audit side of the business, quality control and, and, and those aspects of joint venture audits. As you know, the firm also does revenue audits, royalty audits, audits for state and local governments, governmental entities, We also do regulatory reporting, both regular and on ONRR properties. We do unbundling work for companies uh, to reduce their their royalties to ONRR. And we also do joint venture and revenue accounting for small operators. We're really picking up that side of our business lately, and we're doing it for a whole bunch of companies. Uh, We have a whole staff up in Oklahoma City that does that side of the business now as well. We also do a lot of litigation support and consult with operators and non-operators on negotiating agreements and helping them set up processes and procedures to make sure they're properly billing their non-operators for the costs according in accordance with the agreements. Well, great, Mike. Thanks for the introduction and, and telling everybody a little bit about yourself and what your company does. You know, we're, we're, our focus today is really the COPUS economic factors. So, Why don't we start at the beginning? What are the various COPAS economic factors and why do they exist? Yeah, Tom, it is a real timely subject, um, as you know, but others might not know. COPAS's educational series, Knowing Your COPAS Documents, has a specific module on the economic factors. I started thinking about it a year and a half, two years ago, that we've got all these COPAS numbers out there. And probably a lot of folks don't understand what they are, where they came from, and how they're used. So there is a uh, Knowing Your Copus Documents module out there called, I think it's Copus Economic Factors Behind the Numbers, where I explain the origin of the numbers, how they're calculated, and how they're used. So I guess we can look upon today as a mini version of uh, of that class. What we're talking about is the overhead adjustment factor employee benefits rates, audit per diem rates, used equipment percentages, vehicle rates, workers' compensation rates, and then loading and unloading rates for materials. And I I guess you could throw in there also the used equipment price index is also a COPUS economic factor. Well, that's a lot. So there's a use for each one of these, right? Tell, Tell us a little bit about 
where you would use these? Oh, sure. I guess uh, we'll take them one at a time. Okay, let's start with overhead adjustment. How does it come into play and what's it used for, Mike? Sure. An operator is allowed to recover all of its costs as operator. Some costs are billed direct to the joint account. Other costs, the administrative, warehousing, district expense type costs, those are referred to as indirect costs. So generally, the accounting procedure allows an operator to recover those indirect costs one of two ways. First way is on a percentage basis where it assesses a certain percentage to its capital costs and a different percentage to the operating costs. So that's pretty straightforward. That doesn't need adjusting. But the other way, the more common way is through what's called the fixed rate, used to be called the combined fixed rate, where pre-COPUS, some of the old 1930s, 40s, and 50s accounting procedures had separate rates for administrative overhead, warehousing, and district expense. In the 1962 accounting procedure, which again was COPUS's first form, COPUS gave the option of a combined fixed rate where you would add those numbers together and come up with one rate to be applied uh, generally on an active well count basis. Could be some other basis in some of the older agreements, but generally on an active well basis. So considering the accounting procedures attached to a JOA for a development, and the parties certainly hope the development lasts a long time, COPUS needed a mechanism whereby the parties could adjust that overhead rate. If the initial rate, for example, was $1,000, then $1,000 is probably not going to reimburse the operator for those indirect costs 15 and 20 years later. So the very first accounting procedure, 1962, and all of them since, have said that the operator shall adjust the overhead rates each April 1st. And it's specified in the original, in 1962, and I'll explain the change later, that there was a oil and gas workers index or crude petroleum and gas production workers index published by the U.S. Department of Labor. So COPUS said, use that index over on a year over, year over year basis as your adjustment factor. Then COPUS realized, wait a minute, those numbers change weekly, they change monthly, they're revised from time to time. There's going to be chaos in the industry if we don't regulate this. So how about if COPUS publishes the percentage that is that index change from year over year and publishes that for the industry to use? Now everybody is using 2.3%, 4.1%, minus 3.2%, whatever it happens to be, rather than each operator calculating its own percentage, and then you have audit exceptions, issues, questions, et cetera. So COPUS started publishing this index way back in 1963 and have been publishing it every uh, year since then. Operators, and again, I think it's, it's important to note what COPUS's role in the process is. COPUS is merely saying, this is the change in the index from one year to the next. What COPUS does is the society that's responsible for calculating this every year, I believe it's Tulsa, survey, goes out to the Bureau of Labor Statistics on the same day or within a, a day or two every year so that they're pulling the same numbers each time each year. Again, because the index changes, revisions are made, updates are made, et cetera. So 
they try to pick those percentages that the numbers on the same day every year just for consistency. So the Tulsa Society does the calculation, turns it over to the Joint Interest Committee, who then verifies the calculations and approves that percentage change and recommends it to the council for approval. That was the way it was done until recently, where the council, I don't believe, is is involved any longer. Again, COPUS is only publishing the percentage change in the index. COPUS is not saying this is the change in your overhead costs or anything else. It's merely reporting the change in the index so that there's no chaos and everybody can approve or everybody can use the same percentages. Okay, so if these are recommended adjustments, are operators required to make the adjustment? You know, like what happens if they don't? Can they pick another rate? Or what happens if they do use this? The accounting procedures say the operator shall adjust the rate. So shall to me means will, but an operator doesn't have to if it doesn't want to. And that that's happened quite often in our history. Usually in downturns, an operator will forego the escalation, say it's 5% that particular year. They may forego that adjustment because they say, well, I'm laying off people. My costs are not going up. It's not fair to burden my non-operators with an additional 5% overhead. So I'm just not going to adjust it this year. They can certainly do that if they want to, but contractually they are entitled to the 5%. I've never seen anybody adjust by less than the percentage. I've only seen it done either all or nothing. They really can't pick another rate. They either keep the same rate they're using or use the adjustment percentage. They can't really pick anything else because there's not going to be any contractual basis for anything else. And when you say contractual basis, you're talking about if if it's put into the JOA that they're going to be using these rates? They're contractually... Yeah, Phil. Yeah, it's probably important to back up that far. These The initial overhead rates are in the accounting procedure attached to the JOA. Okay. The accounting procedure is generally Exhibit C, which is incorporated into the JOA. So the accounting procedure, the, the COPUS document, is part of the contract itself. It's a legal binding document. So if your initial overhead rate is $1,000, that's what you're entitled to charge subject to the annual adjustments. You can't decide that's not enough and start billing a higher rate. The accounting procedure section three has a provision that if the rates are deemed to be excessive or insufficient, the parties can renegotiate the base rate. But there's no contractual basis for an operator just to pick another number. So Mike, you mentioned initial rates or base rates. Obviously, the adjustment that's, that you're talking about is something that's adjusting the initial rate that's in the agreement. You know, one of the questions that comes to the COPAS office on a regular basis is, you know, where do I find an overhead rate for a well in Wyoming's gas well 5,000 feet deep? At one point, there was a commercial survey that was done on an annual basis. I don't think that's been done since maybe 2005, perhaps was the last date. I don't remember for sure. But what, how, how, how would an operator come up with a, an initial rate to put into, say, a new accounting procedure, for example? Well, a, a COPUS purist like me and you, Tom, should probably cover our ears. But the process is generally go to the last agreement you negotiated and pick up that same rate 
either leave it the same or adjust it a little bit. That's not what COPAs, or you call around to your friends in the same area and ask them what their overhead rates are, and that's what you put in the agreement. That's not what COPAs recommends. COPAs publishes a document called Accounting Guideline 23, which is intended for operators to use to calculate a proper um, overhead rate, not just pulling one out of an old agreement or asking a nearby operator what their rate is. An operator is supposed to be recouping their costs, not somebody else's. So Accounting Guideline 23 provides two bases or two methods for calculating your overhead rate. One is a top-down approach and the other is a bottom-up approach. And COPUS recommends operators go through those calculations to come up with their actual costs and use that in negotiations because it's easily defensible because there are calculations behind those rates. Great. Thanks for that clarification. Let's let's switch gears for just a minute. If you don't have anything else on overhead adjustment, let's no, talk I, about... Go ahead. No, I do real quick, Tom. I would like to throw in one other thing. A change that happened back in 2004. As I mentioned, the earlier accounting procedures talked about a crude petroleum gas production workers index. Well, when when the United States was negotiating NAFTA with Mexico, the Department of Labor redid all of their indexes and job classifications to make them pair up, I guess you could say, with with their comparable Mexican indices. So this index went away. There was no more crude petroleum gas production workers index after 2002. So COPUS used that for 2003. But beginning in 2004, COPUS had no index, zero. So technically, operators couldn't adjust their overhead rates because there was no factor to apply because the index was gone. So in early 2004, COPUS does what it does best, acts quickly to solve the industry's problems. So after a lot of discussions at the national and local levels between joint interest and the audit committees, It was determined that two new indexes by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, if we took those indexes and averaged them together, we got pretty darn close over the previous 10 years to what the COPUS index, if you will, was. So COPUS published Model Form Interpretation 50 and said, hey, we know the old model forms talk about this crude petroleum index. It doesn't exist anymore. We've got to have a a methodology to increase or adjust overhead rates. So this is what we recommend to the industry, that these two indexes will be used, averaged together to get the overhead rate, uh, the overhead change. And so that is now what COPUS publishes every year. Again, for the same reason we did it before. We don't want everybody going out to to the Bureau of Labor Statistics website and pulling down these index values because again, they change all the time. So the Joint Interest Committee goes out the same day every year, gets these index numbers, runs them through the formula to get the average. And then that is now what COPUS recommends to the industry as the change in the index. And again, COPUS isn't saying this is the change in overhead costs. COPUS is just saying the agreement says you will use these two indexes. Here is what the change in the index is. So it's providing that service to the industry so that everybody's using the same rates. 
So that's all I wanted to add to it, Tom. Good. That's that's a great summary of, of what took place, I guess, in in uh, more more recent years. I I'd forgotten, I guess, the the rationale or the reasoning for that. So I appreciate the little history lesson on that. Sure. Let's move over to a, a auto per diem rate for just a little bit. I think this is one that might be a little confusing to those in the industry. Can you describe what that rate is and what it's used for or what it's intended to be used for? Yes, I agree, Tom. It's uh, A lot of folks don't know the origin of it or what it's for. If you go looking into the accounting procedures for it, you won't find it like you will the overhead language we've just been talking about. The audit per diem rate is a creation of the COPUS Audit Committee. I don't know when it started, but it was quite a while ago. And let me tell you the reason for it. And I'll just use a couple of companies' names just to be using specific names. Let's assume Exxon and Conoco are going to do an audit of Chevron, and they've agreed to share the cost. They send both send people on the audit, and so they're going to share the cost of the audit. So Exxon would bill, they would pool their costs together and then share those costs. Well, the Conoco people may think the Exxon employees were getting paid too much, more than their people. Their travel costs were higher. Their office cost factor overhead piece is too high. So the Conoco people would argue with the Exxon people over there, your costs are too high. I'm having to pay too much. And this went on and on for years. So the audit committee said, you know what? Let's stop all this foolishness. Let's just come up with a per diem rate, whatever it may be. And let's just say $500. That Exxon, you're going to bill Conoco $500 a day for your people. Conoco is going to bill $500 a day for their people. That covers their office costs, their salary, their vacations, all those costs. Travel costs, of course, are whatever travel costs are. But we will bill each other this fixed rate so that we don't have to fight about that anymore. We can get about to doing our business, what we're supposed to be doing. So it was a creation for lead audit companies and assisting audit companies to bill each other for audit cost. That was the reason it was created. So, Mike, you mentioned that the rate is more internal to be shared between joint account audits and that sort of thing. But isn't that rate sometimes incorrectly used as an external guide for setting audit rates? What are your thoughts there? Yes, it is, Tom. And and that's a great concern to COPUS itself because you're getting into antitrust areas there. COPUS is not setting an audit day rate for contract auditors. COPUS could never do such a thing. That's a private matter between companies and their contractors. But we do hear people refer to it every now and then as the rate to be paid for contract auditors. The letter that comes out every year, the audit per diem rate is adjusted just like the overhead rate is. We use a different index, and I'll explain that in a second because people get confused as to why we're using different indexes. But that rate is adjusted every year, and people refer, well, what's the new rate for contract auditors? That's not what that is. And everybody I know in COPUS tells people that's false every time they hear it. The letter that comes out every year, uh, every April by COPUS, giving the new audit per diem rate has a disclaimer on it in, in bold letters that says something to the effect that these rates are intended to be used by companies' own audit staffs to charge other non-operators when conducting audits and, and not to be used for 
contractors or something like that. So the letter makes it very clear what the rate is supposed to be used for. But unless you hear somebody explain it to you, the origin of it and its intent, you don't, you know, might not know that. I mentioned, I mentioned the thing about escalating the rate for the same reason you adjust the overhead rates, you know, to, to keep it current, the COPUS audit committee, again, the audit committee owns this rate, adjusts it every year by the change in an index called the professional and technical index. That's one of the indexes used by the joint interest committee for the overhead rate, but the audit committee chooses to only use that one index. Let me explain. The overhead rate, as I mentioned, the adjustment factors was based on the crude production workers index. For some reason, back in 1962, the Copus fathers decided to adjust overhead by an operating cost index change, not a change in engineering, accounting, legal, management, et cetera, which are really the costs being recouped through the overhead rate. For some reason, the fathers decided to adjust the rate by a field workers index. So that's what we had for all those years. Well, when we, in 2004, when we had to come up with the new index, we had to be true to the intent of that index. So we had to find a way to adjust the overhead rate as closely as possible to field labor. So the two indexes used now, one of them is a field labor change, and the other one's this professional and technical index, because the way the old indexes were mapped into the new indexes, it works. If you average these two, you get what the old rate gave you. So the audit committee said, we don't want to be coupled with the field index anymore because we are auditors. We're accountants and auditors and professionals. We want to tether our audit per diem rate to only professionals and technicals. So beginning in 2005, probably, the audit committee uncoupled it. Previously, it was escalated by the same factor as producing overhead. The audit committee uncoupled it, and now the audit per diem rate is only adjusted by the professional and technical index component. So if folks are out there and they're familiar with both index, the audit per diem rate and overhead being adjusted by the same percentage, now, the, now you know why they are no longer done that way. That is a lot of good information, and Mike does such a good job in presenting it. We're going to stop the podcast here and pick up in the next episode. Mike's going to talk about workers' comp rates and employee benefit limitations and loading and unloading of rates. So you want to tune in and catch the scuttle on those economic factors. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, October 19th, Sureware is hosting a virtual happy hour in conjunction with Copus and this podcast. We're going to be recording a podcast at 5.30 in the evening central time. We're going to have a panel of experts talking about AFEs, and we're going to be recording that for the podcast Sureware is going to be providing a $25 card for the first 50 people that sign up so that they can purchase their own drinks for the virtual happy hour. So probably if you're listening to this on the Tuesday, the 19th, those first 50 are gone, but we sure would 
love to have you be a part of our podcast recording and to come in and present your questions to the AFE panelists. That's 5.30, Tuesday, October 19th, and that's Central Time. If you want to join this, then send an email to podcast at sureware.com, and we'll send you the link. So stay tuned for our next episode when we'll finish up talking about the COPA's economic factors. We'll see you then. If you're an oil and gas operator who wants to simplify and automate the way you handle distributions, joint interest billings, and you use QuickBooks, you'll want to see a free demo of our software at Sureware. Our software was designed to simplify the distribution and accounting processes for operators by integrating directly with your QuickBooks company. On average, we save our users more than 10 hours each week and $40,000 a year in payroll costs by automating the distribution process from start to finish. All you have to do is go to sureware.com backslash demo right now and book a free walkthrough of the software to see if we can help speed up your distributions. That's all for this week's episode. We are so glad you're a loyal listener and spreading the news about the podcast. Make sure you listen, subscribe, and leave us a review.